calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. I want to take a second to tell you about a podcast I think you'll really like, Mayday. No one is prepared for disaster. No one knows exactly how they'll react in a plane crash, an earthquake, or when a lone gunman decides to open fire. On Mayday, you'll hear about the people who had to find out, people whose stories deserve to be heard. Join hosts Maya Nalani and Luke Welland as they tell you about extraordinary people who found themselves in extraordinary circumstances. Listen to Mayday wherever you get your podcasts. Realm presents The Vela, Salvation, Episode 9. Blood roared in her ears as Asala stepped back up to the cell's front window. She didn't bother to wipe away the tears coursing down her cheeks because they weren't from sadness or desperation, but relief. Nico is alive. They hadn't perished in the wake of the evac, or been injured in the resulting coup in absence of the president. She didn't understand how they came to be here, and at the moment, she didn't care. The details would come later. In the crux of a horrible day and a dire situation, seeing Nico again sparked both joy and the tight twinge of guilt. So much, it leaked out her eyes. Yet... This couldn't be true. Her friend remained on the other side of the now-closed wormhole. Her stomach balled into a knot. The fungus conjured this vision of them, and she frantically dusted off her arms and wiped her face with the blanket. How could anyone willingly engage with this? The fungus is digging into my memories and bringing up Nico to hurt me, to inflict pain in return for my actions. Vindictive much? It's just a fungus. Could it really be getting back at me? Why Dio? Why Nico? Why use these visions of my loved ones to torment me? She remembered Oba. Why didn't matter. It was horrid. Asala shut and opened her eyes, blinked repeatedly, and still the trio came closer to the cells. Once they crossed under one of the larger floodlights, there could be no doubt. In the midst of the three guards, as Asala had been earlier that day, Nico shot forward in an attempt to escape. The guards closed in, collapsing on them like a folding tent. They wrestled them across the rest of the field before shoving them into a neighboring cell. 
A heavy thud punctuated the end of the battle. Kenya's shallow breathing met her ears in the ensuing quiet. She slammed the cell door with a bang and locked it. The others turned and headed back across the landscape. One of them shouted to Kenya, Don't forget the ceremony tonight! Now the three of them rested in uncomfortable silence. Kenya remained on guard, grumbling to herself about scratches she'd incurred subduing the latest capture. Asala spied her checking her person and scowling as she applied creams to injured spots and scrapes, muttering to herself. Soft whimpering came from the next cell. Kenya didn't move, so Asala assumed the sound was muffled against Asala's side of the shared cell wall. Not crying, so much as frustration. A familiar noise Asala had heard from Nico before the evac, when their interactions with their father had driven them to the point of exasperation. Could it really be you, Nico? Is this another cruel twist of the fungus's abilities? There was but one way to find out. She turned to the wall, separating them. She'd take this any day over leaving them behind, in the grips of a dying sun and violence. Still, she hesitated, guilt making her stomach burn. Asala ran her fingers along the hard plastic wall as she walked the two steps back to the rear. She'd love to pull Nico into a tight embrace and tell them how sorry she was for her rash actions, how much she missed them, and, well, how glad she was to see them safe. They're angry I left, and upset about their father. Around the knot of emotions in her throat, Asala said, Don't worry, we'll find a way to get out of here. Her heart froze. What if this really was the fungus manipulating her. She went through another round of brushing off her arms, her chest, her legs, and her hair. How subtle was this conscious dust? Then a single word stopped her in her tracks. Sala? Nico asked. Is that you? She shut her eyes and pinched herself hard enough to leave a bruise. When she opened her eyes, she realized it wasn't a hallucination. It really is Nico. The earlier joy sprang anew and tears fell again. Nico, she managed, her heart still pounding, throat dry. It is you, isn't it? Yes. Why wouldn't you believe your own eyes? Nico asked, sharp rebuke in their familiar tone. She swallowed. Maybe the fungus was affecting them, too. This fungus forces people to hallucinate. I... I didn't know if you were the real you or a fabrication. Nico's cold tone remained. I see. I'm very much alive and here on this side of the wormhole, albeit captured. I'm glad to see you even under these less-than-ideal circumstances. Asala placed her head against the wall's cool surface. I've missed you, friend. No reply. Nothing. She hadn't realized until this moment how much she'd missed them, how alone she'd been since the evac. 
A chill came from them, and she wanted more than anything to hug them. Outside, feet shuffled, drawing her attention back to their predicament. Kenya walked by her cell. The young guard rapped on the neighboring cell. You, pipe down. You're not going to hang yourself in there, are you? You didn't come in calm and compliant like the one next to you, Kenya said. Hand me your blanket, Nico replied. No. No, Kenya repeated. No, you're not going to kill yourself, or no, you won't give me the blanket. No to both. Fine. Kenya shrugged and walked back to her position to the right of Asala's cell. Once Kenya turned her attention to the movement ahead, Asala put hers back on Nico. How? She struggled to find the words to articulate her confusion and surprise. Does it matter? They said. What are you doing in here? I will tell you everything, Asala said, once we get out of here. Pipe down, Kenya shouted. In a hushed tone, Asala began. I came down to ground to scope out a suitable spot for Dio and me to carve out a living and make a home. Then I received orders that some people had defected from the primary camp and begun raiding surrounding camps. Raiding? Nico asked. Supplies. They stole my cruiser, complete with the supplies and resources I needed to set up our home. Nico didn't answer. Asala explained her capture, but left out the fungus's cruel use of Dio to ensure that the defectors caught her. The whole incident still made her uneasy and angry. That's how I ended up in here, Asala finished. She touched the cut and bruise on her face. Tell me, how are things over there? Asala's voice trembled at the question. She didn't want to know, not really. She could imagine the chaos and carnage that erupted when they left. The situation was dire before the evac. It must be deadly now. Silence. The atmosphere changed in the two cells. She closed her eyes and softly swore. The last thing she wanted to do was injure Nico, and yet she couldn't seem to not say or do the wrong thing, just like with Dio. She put her head in her hands. It's horrible. She groaned, but not loud enough for Nico to hear it. Now that they'd chosen to answer, she had to sit and listen. Besides, where else would she go? General Sinrig has taken control of the military. You can imagine the horrors enacted under her control. There's no one to stop her, to speak reason to her, to keep her in check. Not anymore. It hung there, heavy and dark between them. Like my father. She waited for Nico to speak those words. But they didn't. Instead, they shifted gears, backpedaling from the darkest part too difficult to speak or to share. I met a scientist, one of Professor Uzochi's, that was left behind. He'd been working on downloading human consciousness into synthetic bodies, Nico said. You two, stop talking. I want to hear the ceremony. Kenya banged on the bars. Shut it! 
they did as they were told. Asala looked out the window. As the dark edges of the defector's open field became illuminated by what appeared to be lanterns, Asala could make out figures moving in the shadows. They weren't close to the outdoor auditorium where she'd tried to kill Dr. Montgomery. This section, like the auditorium, had been cleared of all vegetation except for the long-cut branches with wide leaves that covered the area. No structures had been erected there. She wondered if that was because of the 3D printer breakdown she had overheard defectors arguing about earlier. Each raider held a red flame, glowing against the velvety night. A few people, dressed in similar garments to those of the leader, Montgomery, walked behind a floating platform that contained more lanterns. They placed the items, no doubt stolen from other camps, on the ground about every four feet. The scarlet flames appeared to be bobbing freely in the air, eerie and beautiful. Using the help flare option on the lanterns for their ceremony. Strange. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. The holding cells weren't close enough to see clearly, especially at night, but Asala could make out enough to know that people, all adults, no children, began sitting down on the ground in the area outlined by those individual red lights. Smoky tendrils rose from the lanterns. With the next breeze, a floral scent filtered into the air. A soft humming rose against the partially illuminated night until it overtook the murmurings and whispered conversations. Dr. Montgomery floated in on the same levitating platform from earlier, hovering cross-legged in the center of the human circle. The lantern at his feet burned scarlet, with incense attached. He didn't speak, but he gestured to the crowd. It's beautiful. Nico said through their barred window. Their tone indicated awe and wonder. I can't tell what it is. Asala squinted against the dark. She hesitated to speak, noting that Nico's curiosity made them come alive, and her saying anything might ruin it. At one point in the last month, she didn't think she'd ever hear their joy and excitement, their voice, again. Now it startled her. Kenya, what's this ceremony? Asala asked. From her position, she could still make out Kenya's profile. Kenya ignored her, her gaze locked straight ahead. The beat of a drum joined the humming, and the atmosphere changed as people clapped in time to the drumbeat. Then the humming ceased. I want to learn, to to understand. Masala raised her voice above the drums. With a heavy sigh, Kenya crossed her arms. Tonight's ceremony celebrates the futuristic vision. It's for the adults. Those in the circle will allow the fungus to tell us, well, show us our future. You're serious? Masala balled her hands into fists. 
They are celebrating the horrid fungus? You said you wanted to understand, Kenya snapped. I'm wasting my time if you're going to mock it. No, no, I'm sorry. Asala took in a deep breath. She released it and tried again. Why aren't you going down there to get your vision, to join them? Kenya shook her head. I already know my path in life. I don't need to see it unfold before me in a vision. I'm living it right now. Tell us what the others are shown, Nico said. Kenya shrugged. It depends on the individual. I don't know what the others have seen, and our practice is not to divulge it. Those visions are a gift. Showing off or bragging would bring about a swift and negative consequence. I see. Asala went deeper into her cell and knocked on the wall she shared with Nico. You there? She asked, her voice lowered and held her breath, waiting for the rebuke or cold response. Where else would I be? These people are nutters, Asala said. When I was captured, they brought me through the camp and almost everyone we passed was glazed-eyed and talking to people who weren't there. The guard claims the fungus is hallucinogenic, but also that it's aware. It communicates with them, and these people willingly engage with it. It's become their belief system. They're crazy. It's killed people. They're not crazy. I saw them. Listen, using 3D printing, a scientist named Lee was able to 3D print a body. Using the body, we were able to gain access to Professor Uzochi's lab and her research, Nico said. You printed a body? Stunned. Asala gaped. Yes. Listen, this is important. Asala stiffened again, feeling the cold rebuke in their tone. The fungus has been communicating with humans by accessing their memories to find some common language. When you arrived on the planet, human beings changed the ecosystem, disrupting it and causing damage, Nico explained. The introduction of alien crops and animals, bacteria and viruses have all impacted the fungus, the largest living entity on the planet. Masala slid down into a sitting position with her shoulder pressed against the wall. Kenya had mentioned their crop's failure. Had other camps experienced similar situations? Had they, as she had done, attributed it to the camp's location and the soil therein? She rubbed her face. Nico's and Uzochi's research made sense. Humans hadn't set foot on the planet before, and once they had... The primary living species attacked them, using what it had as a defense. It's attacking us, bringing up painful memories to force us to leave. Asala thought back to the vision of Dio that had gotten her injured and captured. And the fungus had made this camp's inhabitants thieves. And Oba... Didn't you hear anything I just said? Nico said with a hint of exasperation. It isn't attacking us, Asala. It's trying to communicate. Asala paused to collect herself before responding. Those memories it brings up are horrible and hurtful. Kenya, the god, suffered the same, Asala said, unable to mention Oba. If it's benign, it wouldn't inflict painful memories on us, 
This thing is dangerous. Look what it's done to this camp. The question we should be asking is, does it know it's inflicting pain? Remember, it hasn't encountered humans before. It may not understand human emotions like hurt, pain, or joy, as it is a fungus. It is simply attempting to protect itself and its home. There's nothing malicious or insidious about those actions, as you well know, Nico said, quieter than before. Outside the cells, the drumming and clapping stopped. A tense quiet followed. Asala returned to the window. As she looked out, she saw the crowd all lying on the ground. Dr. Montgomery lay on his platform, hands tucked beneath his head as a makeshift pillow. The red lantern flames flickered, and swirls of incense smoke continued to send tendrils into the sky, giving the area a sweet fragrance. Kenya, what's going on? No response. Kenya? To her amazement, Asala couldn't see the guard. It appeared the woman had abandoned her post, but that didn't feel right. So Asala stood on her tiptoes to see the ground closest to her cell. Kenya was curled into a ball on the ground, baton beside her, and arms folded like a pillow beneath her head, eyes shut, and mouth slightly agape. Her gathering cloth lay beside her, and a sheer layer of dust covered her. The highest concentration gathered around her nose and mouth. Why would she do this when she was assigned to guard us? Asala calmed herself. These weren't real soldiers, but camp members thrown into a role in which they had no training. And, judging by Kenya's face, were too young to complete. She studied the guard. Everyone was so still. Are they all dead? Gripped with fear in the uneasy quiet. She grabbed the bars and strained to see any indication of breathing or movement. Damn it. She wished she had her pack. Why would you all throw your lives away? What of the children? Fear crept up Asala's spine. Her hands ached from her tight hold on the bars, but she had to see if Kenya was alive. Did they understand what would happen when they ingested the fungus? Did they know it could kill them? Could it kill them? All of these questions raced through Asala's mind. I have to get to Dio and let her know. We have to get out of here. Kenya! Asala shouted, her voice echoing across the hushed quiet. Outside her cell, the young guard groaned and rolled over to her other side. A smile appeared on her face, seconds before dissolving into the slack-jawed slumber of before. She's alive. Asala slumped against the wall of her cell. This planet had been her hope, their hope for salvation from certain catastrophe. She wasn't ready to give up on it. I have to get out of here. As the myriad possible methods to escape raced through her mind, the drumbeat started again. A livelier bass and rhythm drew Asala from her position on the floor back to the window. A wash in the red lantern's light, the defectors stirred. They rose in trance-like motions, jerky and slow. 
The murmurs of conversation, laughter, and shrieks pierced the air, concurrent with the drum beats. She got on her tiptoes and spied Kenya pushing herself up outside her cell. She peered at the cell as if she'd never seen it before. A grin blossomed across her face, and she reached out and stroked the area just shy of the cell's frame. Asala watched as Kenya giggled like a six-year-old. She spoke in rapid sentences. How are you, Nana? Yes, I finished all of the pie you made by myself, Kenya proclaimed, putting her hands on her hips. She threw back her head and laughed before dissolving back onto the ground, rolling around. Stop it, Nana, it tickles. The guard, like the others in the ceremony, had engaged willingly with the fungus. She didn't know how they all consumed it, perhaps the gathering cloths, but what she witnessed now with Kenya wasn't a vision of the future, but a happy memory or engagement from the past. She let go of the bars, looked out into the distance again to those clustered together. It looked like chaos, commotion, loud shouting. Some people cried out, others leapt through the air, and more spoke to people who weren't there. It was a cornucopia of emotions and experiences acted out in one person's shows on a scarlet-lit stage. Only she and Nico were unaffected. Asala wanted to turn away from the spectacle, but she couldn't. She had to know what else they did, what other effects the fungus had on people. Like it or not, the defectors' camp had become a test group for the strange fungus. Perhaps this was the worst of it, and why they didn't allow the children to partake. Who would the children turn to if the vision or memory scared them? Their parents were in the throes of their own experience, the hallucinations appeared to be so vivid, the individual couldn't hear or see anything outside it. She shuddered as she recalled her interaction with the fungus's conjuration of Dio, remembered Oba's suicide. It had been so real. Part of her wanted to believe it was, but the fine details were off, and deep down, she knew it. Asala went back to the wall, separating her from Nico. Do you see what's happening out there? She picked up the water cup from earlier. It contained barely a swallow for her parched throat, and she sat back down again with her back to the wall. Yes, Nico said. They've embraced the fungus. Embrace is a kind word for being taken over by it. It doesn't appear to be malicious in the least. This is a first-time observable contact with it. It could be deadly dangerous in a few days, Asala pointed out. They could end up dying, and we are locked in these cells without food or water. I don't intend to die like a caged animal, Nico. Silence. This isn't like you, Asala, to be so emotional, Nico said. Asala rubbed her face again and tried to rid it of the fungus. The cold words dug in like a dagger. At this point, she wondered why she bothered. The fungus was inescapable, blanketing everything, her hair, her hands, her mouth, her nostrils. She didn't have water to rinse it off, and the blanket was similarly covered. Nico, 
We've got to get out of here. I have to reach Tayo and tell her about this fungus, about this camp, so she can send soldiers here. Tayo already knows about the fungus, Asala, Nico said. Asala froze. What? How? I haven't talked to her. I haven't seen her either. A twinge of guilt twisted in her heart, but she focused on Nico's next words. Professor Uzochi has talked to her about the fungus and more. What do you mean, and more? Don't drag it out. What do you know? Tell me everything. Leave nothing out. Dio wants to reopen the wormhole. What? Why? That's impossible. Asala hugged herself in disbelief. Why would Dio want to reopen the wormhole? It cost them so much to get here. What would be worth going through all that again, even if it were possible? Then it felt like a rock struck Asala in the head. Mia and the girls. We don't have any exotic matter here to reopen it anyway, Asala said, more to reassure herself than to inform Nico. Ah, but we do. What? Lowered your voice, Nico rebuked. It's just so hard to believe. She gathered her wits and tried to listen. Please, go on. It's true. Professor Uzochi is going to use the planet's fungus to create enough exotic matter to open a new wormhole. She's going to bomb the fungus' centralized location, which her team has located. The bomb will start a conversion to exotic matter, enough to open a wormhole. Asala shook her head in disbelief. Did Dio want to escape her that badly? Didn't she understand that Asala had done everything, risked everything, just so they could be together again? If what Nico said was true, then it wasn't enough for her sister. Asala had come up short again. You still awake? Nico asked with a soft rap against the wall. Yes, yes, I'm here. Just thinking about what you've told me. That's not all, Nico said. Those three words struck her hard in the belly. There's more. Do I want to know? Asala asked, half-heartedly, half-serious. Oh yeah, you want to know this, Nico said. Go ahead. Tell me. It can't be worse than my sister wanting to open a wormhole. If Professor Uzochi bombs the fungus' centralized location, it will destroy everything and everyone on the planet. The fungus is an essential and integral part of the ecosystem. Without it, nothing will survive, which means we won't survive. You should have led with that. Asala stifled a frustrated sob. What are you doing, Tayo? What are you thinking? Probably. Thank you for the update. It doesn't change our objective or our situation. It's now more imperative we get out of here. I must get to Dario, talk to her, change her mind, something. Nico had fallen into stony silence. Asala remained awake, seeking a way to escape.
As the dual suns broke the horizon, the guard banged on the bars. Asala bolted awake, jerking her neck awkwardly in the process. Ow! She struggled to her feet and toward the window, where the guard bellowed at her and Nico to wake up. He drifted back and forth between the two cells. She spied him in front of her window. He vanished below again and then reappeared. She shook her head to dislodge the kinks and pulsating cramps from sleeping sitting upright on a dirt floor. What? She croaked, her lips cracking at the effort to form words. Water and food, the guard said. I want to open the door real slow, and I'm going to slide in your food. Marcello here is watching, so don't try to escape. He'll blast you. Asala spied the one the guard called Marcello, standing just to her right with a weapon drawn. She nodded, and the guard unlocked the door. Step back, she did. He slid in a tray complete with a canteen of water, fruits, and nuts from the travel packets given to soldiers in the field. Where did they get this stuff? They had to have stolen it. Once the warm water hit her tongue, it didn't matter. With her eyes closed, she gulped it down so fast, it spilled over the corners of her mouth. As the water coursed down her shoulders, she caught herself, finished swallowing, and took the canteen away from her lips. It tasted so good. She'd been dehydrated. And hungry. She took the food and sat down close to the wall she shared with Nico. You awake? She asked. Yeah, they said. They feed us. Asala laughed. She wiped the fungus dust off the package of dried fruit and ate. An easy quiet stretched out as she ate the breakfast items. She assumed Nico did the same. She slept through the changing of the guards, but one thing she noticed from the drop-off confirmed that her hunch regarding the guards' training hit the mark. They didn't have any. A whining noise disrupted the hush, and Asala got up, carrying her package of nuts with her to the window. The field where the defectors conducted the ceremony had been vacated sometime during the night. The platform remained, as did the lanterns, but their scarlet flames had been turned off. The whining noise came from a few people driving around in a four-wheeler. They were enjoying the early morning sunlight, and she smiled at their antics. The driver struggled with steering, and the vehicle jerked wildly as it whined down the pathway away from the cells. To think Uzochi would destroy all of this to fuel Dio's desire to reopen the wormhole. She didn't understand. Uzochi and Dio didn't get along. Their relationship, if she dared call it that, was tenuous at best. Why would her sister go along with such a dangerous and deadly plan? It didn't make sense. Asala needed more context. To get that, they had to get out of here. She returned to the wall. Nico. Yeah? Did you see the routine they used? She asked. The guards change every few hours. Yeah, Nico said. They were back to one-word answers. Asala sighed. There doesn't appear to be any consistency. The guards exchange positions at a whim. 
There must be a rhythm. Nico, like Asala, understood order and military precision in everyday activities. The way the defectors behaved, especially with the two of them as prisoners, didn't follow any protocol she'd seen in her experience. It increased their chance of escape. The guards are young and inexperienced. They're not trained soldiers. Asala explained, If I can get to my cruiser, I can get us out of here. It's in the neighboring lot where they store the items they've stolen. Asala pictured it in her mind. Weapons? Nico asked. I saw a few holstered cannons and pistols among the guards. The raiders carry weapons. Those are the ones who brought you in. Kenya only had a baton, as did the man who put down the food this morning. Masala munched on the fruit. Once she found the packet empty, she went back to the nuts. Only the raiders have experience or training with the weapons. The guards, at least some of them, are raiders too. We have to be careful. Yes, Nico agreed. Asala thought back to the guards this morning. What do they plan to do with us? They can't keep us here forever. At some point, Dio will come for me because Neve will sound the alarm. The sound of movement from the other side of the wall told her Nico had walked to the front of their cell. Nico, create a diversion. If we can get one of the guards to free us... What do you plan to do with us? Nico shouted. You can't keep us here. Asala went to witness the exchange. If they could provoke the guard to come close enough, they could reach through the bars and snare them. The on-duty guard left his post and marched over to Nico. He didn't come close enough for Nico to grab him through the bars. She noticed that this was the guard who escorted her to the cells, and with Nico, he wasn't taking any chances. He remembered, perhaps, how Nico bucked and thrashed as they put him in the cell. It took all three of them. So now, alone, the guard acted with restraint and hesitation. He didn't carry a pistol, only a baton. Even better. What do you plan to do with us? Nico asked. Their neutral tone didn't convey anger or fear, only a hint of curiosity. The guard shrugged. Dunno. You must have some idea. Haven't you had prisoners before? Clearly, or you wouldn't have these wonderful cells set up. The guard fidgeted and started to walk away. Nico let him go. Asala picked up the task. Listen, we're locked in here. It's boring. We don't know what's going to happen to us. If you told us, then we could plan, you know, make peace with it. Sit with it a while. He paused, turned to her, and huffed. Look, the last person we had in there died. How? The doctor said they didn't get enough food and water. The guard made it sound like the fault lay with the prisoner, not those who imprisoned him. You're feeding us and giving us water? That won't happen to us. Tell me, what is going to take place? Asala countered. To be honest with you, that guy lost his mind in there. 
The dust provoked some awful visions for him because all he did was scream day and night. We brought him food and water, but he didn't accept it. The fungus kept him caught up in a way we haven't seen before or since, he said with another shrug of his thick shoulders. Across from her, on the other side of the cell, the guard scratched at the budding beard along his jawline. From what Asala could remember, he was wearing the same clothes he had yesterday. He wore a hat low over his forehead, but she could see his eyes glaze over as if reliving that incident. That seems unlikely, Nico said, breaking the quiet. The guard jerked toward Nico's cell and used his baton to point at them. You weren't there, were you? No. If the prisoner engaged with the fungus, it would have encouraged him to eat and to drink, to survive. It gains nothing from encouraging humans to die. It's looking to communicate with us, Asala said. Fueled by indignation, the guard marched up close to her cell, disregarding the distance that kept him outside their reach. Look, the old man got food and water every day. Here, every day. And I tell you, he went crazy in there, screeching about his dead partner and throwing his urine bowl and feces everywhere. He kept screaming for Barinda to come and clean up the mess. Before the guard could think, Asala shot her hand out between the bars, grabbed the baton, and smacked him in the face with it. A bright splotch of blood shot out from his nose. Ow! Oh! The guard shouted, stunned. The man tried to grab the baton, but the hits came in rapid-fire succession until the guard, injured and hurting, tried to backpedal, his face colored with what Asala knew would be bruises and possibly broken facial bones. Asala's other hand snared his shirt and curled her fist into the fabric. He wrapped his hands around her fist and tried to dislodge it. The injuries to his face and head had him off kilter, and he stumbled, struggling to remain upright. Asala hit him again. You're not going anywhere. Masala managed to hold the guard tight against the bars. He couldn't run, and the more he twisted, the less likely he would be able to scream as the shirt's material grew tight around his neck. He went splat on the ground, coughing up dust. You are going to open my cell, yes? Yes, the guard sputtered. His eyes bulged. The skin around his neck started to turn an angry purple. Do it now. No screaming, understand. Nod if you understand. The frightened guard fumbled with his free hand at the console outside the cell. She released her hold on the shirt, enough for him to see which keys to enter on the pad. Once he did, the cell door hissed open. And Asala walked out, retaining the guard's shirt in her fist and the baton in her other hand. When I let go... You aren't going to run or scream, nod if you understand. The guard nodded. Asala doubted the man would have enough vocal strength to do more than whisper. It happened in slow motion. She released the guard's shirt. The man slumped and gasped for air. He rubbed his throat with both hands. Asala pulled the baton through the bars, whipped around behind the coughing guard, and put the baton to his back. Get inside, she commanded. The guard stood up from his knees, and the look on his face almost broke Asala's heart. He didn't want to go inside the cell, not after what he'd experienced with the old man and now them. Maybe the story he told them had been true. Nico watched him crawl into the cell. 
Once inside, Asala slammed it shut and entered the key code to lock the cell. Lay down. You probably have a concussion. Use some of the water in the canteen to clean your injuries before they get infected. Asala told him before coming over to Nico. It's so good to see you. Yes. You could have shared your plan, they said. Oh, that wasn't the plan, but an opportunity. Asala laughed as she keyed in the code. As the door to the cell hissed open, Nico asked, How did you know the lock code? I paid attention last night when they entered it. She touched her ear. 469821. Each number on the keypad is a musical assigned tone. Nice. We need to get to your cruiser before they come to change the guards. We don't know when that'll be, so we should get moving before we're discovered. Nico searched for the gear their guards had taken. I need to get my pack and my rifle back. Asala scanned the area, too. Nico slid back their sleeves to reveal their wrist computer. How did you manage to keep it? Asala gasped. Remember all the commotion I caused? She nodded. Yeah, they were so busy trying to wrangle me down there and then into the cell, they forgot to search me. Aren't you the smartest? Asala said. You did say they weren't trained soldiers, Nico replied coolly. Asala walked down to the edge of the cells where they tossed her pack last night. They most likely intended to move it to the stolen goods or go through it today, but they wouldn't have a chance now. She snatched up her pack, slipped it on her back, and looked for her rifle. There, leaning against the cell wall toward the back, she found the equipment box and picked it up. Right, let's go. She led Nico back the way she'd come the day before. Still early in the morning, few of the camp's inhabitants stirred, no doubt in part due to the ceremony from the previous night. Asala had struggled to find sleep, because once she reached a deep sleep, shouts, screams, riotous laughter would wrench her out of it. They hid behind trees and tall brush as they made their way to the homes and farther into the camp. As they moved along its edge, Asala remembered one tiny issue. As they reached the large clearing where the raiders kept their ill-gotten gains, the laser beam sizzling broke the silence between her and Nico. You didn't tell me they had this! They gestured to the blue stream. I forgot. I'm hungry, thirsty, and tired, Nico, Asala said, crouching behind three stacked crates that probably contained new printers. Nico was right beside her. Now what? We have to get the control to disable it. The god probably had one. We aren't going back, Nico said with a shake of their head. Absolutely not. You have another idea? Asala asked. Yes. Nico swept back their sleeve again and looked down at their computer. With nimble fingers, they called up a screen and began sweeping through in search of something. What looked like frequency numbers rolled down the screen as Nico scanned them. Hunched against the stack of boxes, they both searched for the frequency that could disrupt the laser stream. Masala hadn't thought of that. It was a tactic thieves used to get around a stream's deadly laser. We'll have to be fast. Once we get the frequency, the disruption will only last a few minutes before it recalibrates, Nico said. They wiped their hair out of their eyes. It's sweltering out here. 
Welcome to the home of two sons, Asala said. Shush! They both quieted and scrunched down even lower to the ground. In the distance, shouting came from the direction of the holding cells. Nico cast a worried glance at Asala. They kept scrolling through the screen, waiting for the computer to identify a frequency they could use. Asala gripped the handle of her rifle box. As Nico worked the frequency angle, she opened her case and started to assemble her rifle. If it came to it, and she knew it most likely would, she wanted to be prepared. Once she got the clip entered, Nico said, Got it. The roar of jeeps resounded. Now let's go, now, now. Nico collapsed the screen and leapt to their feet. They ran toward the laser stream. Once they approached, it hiccuped, belching an opening just wide enough for them to duck and run through. They took it. Behind them, the raiders got closer. In no time, the jeep roared to a stop just outside the laser stream. Crackled back to life, and the blue beam cut them off. A few shouted in anger. She raced to her cruiser, leapt inside, and began turning on the flight sequence. She and Nico were getting out of there. She held the sniper rifle out to Nico. You know how to use this, right? She asked. No. Nico took the gun and put it down on the seat beside them. After a quick scan of the back seat, she figured her items remained intact, with the exception of a few food items. Nothing she couldn't replace. As the cruiser geared up, she turned to Nico. You might need to use the rifle. I need to get the beambuster working again, if you want to get out of this trap. The console lit up with all systems ready. Nico sat in the passenger seat, with the screen on their wrist illuminated. Two seconds. You have one and a half, Nasala said, as she took in the changing view in front of them. Several raiders with guns pointed at them, awaited the laser stream's fall. Once it did, they would shoot them out of the air. Nico looked over their screen. We can't go forward. Asala grinned at them. Then we'll go backward. Discreetly, she used the rear view embedded in the cruiser's console to see what lay behind them. Trees and brush. The camp hadn't cleared the area directly behind their storage pile, but to the right and left were clear. The raiders had only enough people to cover the front. If they fanned out they would only have one or two shooters per side. You know what you're going to do? Nico asked. Yes, just see when. Almost there. An idea froze her hands over the console. What if they lower the laser stream and start shooting us? Nico shook their head. They value what's in this cruiser. If they shoot us down, they might destroy this vehicle and its contents. They're bluffing. I'm not willing to take that chance. Masala let out a slow breath. Remember your breathing. Go, Asala, now, Nico shouted. And she did. The cruiser shot backward in reverse, a breath before turning to the right and blasting off toward the front of the camp. Gunfire erupted in their wake. Nico hunched down in the seat. Go east, east! Nico shouted navigation at her. Asala flew the cruiser by instinct. Exhausted, hungry, and tired, she still laughed in the breeze, happy to be free and reunited with Nico. They left the raiders in the dust as they shot through the air toward the next camp. We're going where? Nico asked. 
Dayo? Asala said without hesitation. We're going to Dayo. Nico pressed their lips into a fine line. They leaned forward and entered coordinates into the cruiser's navigation system. Adrenaline started to recede, and Asala's body sagged. Her stomach rumbled for food, her dry throat itched for water, and her body longed for a bath. She glanced over to Nico, who'd gone quiet. Perhaps they felt the effects of the adrenaline waning, too. As she glanced over at them, she couldn't believe the body had been 3D printed. It looked so much like Nico, and it was Nico, that it seemed surreal. Asala noted the reddish dust on her body and wiped it off, just to be sure the harrowing experience wasn't another of the fungus's hallucinations. One couldn't be too sure. No, I couldn't. You're listening to The Vela Salvation by Nicole Givens-Kurtz, starring Robin Miles. Produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Realm, listen away. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. The Vela Salvation is written by Ashley Poston, Maura Milan, Nicole Givens-Kurtz, and Sangu Mandana. It is produced by Rhoda Bilyeza and executive produced by Molly Barton. Audio production, sound design, editing, and theme music by Amanda Rose Smith.